Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by. Hello, this is Isabel, and. This is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about another trope dissection. Namely, childhood friends in anime, and we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, in regards to childhood uh, child friends as a trope in anime, is they tend to be synonymous with unrequited love. As many people have noticed in the anime community, the childhood friend rarely, rarely wins in a, uh, in a love triangle. And it usually tends to be unrequited with one particular, whether it is a girl or a guy, we've actually seen examples of both, but a girl or guy childhood friend who is very much in love with the other main character, but the main character just simply does not have those feelings towards the childhood friend at all. That is the trope that we will be particularly looking at today. And, you know, uh, just like we usually do, we will provide examples of childhood friend tropes that we do think works well in the story, in the anime, and thinks it lends well to the characters. And we will also look at an examples of tropes that we think actually hurts the story in the characters instead. Now, I do want to note, while childhood friend tropes tend to be associated with unrequited love, it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, luckily, throughout, uh, I would say recent years, we're starting to get a little more childhood friend tropes where it's not unrequited, but actually, like, they're just completely platonic. But I do think the uh, the romantic sort of edge to childhood friends are still more prevalent in regards to the stories as a whole. But, you know, that's the fun thing about tropes is that they do tend to change as writing changes and culture changes. So, uh, but Agnes, I'm going to pass the baton to you today because you're actually the one who picked this trope to be dissected. And so I'm really curious as to, you know, what your personal feelings are towards this trope since you're the one who picked this as the next trope dissection. And, you know, what examples you have for us today in regards to a good example of a childhood friend trope and a bad example of a childhood friend trope. For sure, yeah. So I'm not a fan of the childhood trope because I feel like it's very un it's unfair towards both the main love interest, the side interest, and the main character as a whole. But in anime, as you stated earlier, Gracie, there has been a slow change of how the childhood friend trope is portrayed. And we've actually been seeing a lot less of these weird love triangle sort of thing pop up in anime. Or if there is a childhood friend romantic relationship featured, it's also a coming of age sort of trope that blends into it as well, which is, I think, very nice in a way, because it shows that the characters are breaking away from each other and learning like they're learning as they grow and starting to feel like they lean towards a particular way, a particular style, things that they realize that they're good at, but they don't necessarily need that childhood friend to cling on to. So one good trope that I want to point out that actually does successfully become a couple is Narumi and Hirotaka in Wotokoi. Oh my gosh, I, I thought about that. <laughs> You thought about that one. I hope that was not your pick. <laughs> that was not my pick. You'll see why I picked okay. what I picked, but yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I wanted to point out Narumi and Hirotaka because the start of the series in Wotokoi begins with them actually meeting at work. They're both in their 20s. They both have a lot of, or, or an adequate amount of life experience. And it is quite a big degree of separation. And although they reminisce, they reminisce a lot about the times that they had when they were children, the people that they met when they were children, like Hirotaka's younger brother and the memories that they had, they're still okay with forging new memories and also getting to know the current them rather than cling on to the past selves of them. So like Narumi talks about like how she used to have like ex-boyfriends and how she would change. And Hirotaka admires the fact that Narumi strives herself to change rather than cling on to like, oh, she's not like before kind of thing, mm. which I think is very selfish of anybody to think that way because people grow, people change. You have to let them do that. Otherwise, they kind of become a bit childish. They kind of become stuck in that old self of theirs. And it's not very admirable, I don't think when you see someone who's supposed to be mature is still kind of like childish. And in a way, Narumi 
also admires how Hirotaka, even though he's grown up and embraced these adult-like ideals, you know, the cool co-worker who, like, gets his job done at work, smokes <laughs> at work or whatever, because smoking in Japanese culture is still considered kind of cool, I guess. Um, it doesn't help that anime makes it look cool as well. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help that. It, yeah, don't do smoking, kids. <laughs> um, but the fact that Narumi still admires Hirotaka for still being the same person who he is because he's not afraid of hiding his true self, which is being an otaku. So I think in both ways, those two aspects of them being adults and embracing those two ideals really help meld together their relationship and cement them as, yes, they're childhood friends, but yes, they are a couple, even if they didn't have that childhood friends vibe. So that's why I chose them, because I thought like that was just really nice to see. And especially now that we're that all three of us in this cast are adults, it's nice to see adult characters for a change embrace that even though they were childhood friends. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I always say you know that we've reached adulthood when we start suddenly start looking at the adult characters and being like, Yeah, I date that instead of the fem- uh, instead of like the teenage characters that we used to be <laughs> more pulled towards. But Right, uh, exactly. I yeah. think uh so I did think of Wotakoi as I ultimately didn't pick it because I once again I like to keep my picks of bads and goods like consistent which I'm sure this is going to tie in with your bad as well but another thing I would like to know about why Wotakoi is a really good example of the childhood friend trope while also adding in that romantic element that usually childhood friend tropes are associated with is I like the fact that there was a gap in time where they did not know each other they didn't really interact anymore because that's what happens a lot of times there are real life stories of people who had known each other when they were younger and then they went their separate ways because that's just how life is you know you go to different colleges you go to different jobs and stuff like that and then you constantly end up in the same place again and both of you have changed both of you have become different people with different experiences but in a way it's almost like in that gap of time you potentially could have actually grown to be more compatible you know, because like, yeah. um, like uh, Hirotaka ha- did have an unrequited love towards Narumi back when he was younger that she was wholly and completely unaware of. But I think that gap in time where they meet up again actually made them more compatible because of the fact that he has grown so much in confidence and being and in accepting who he is as a person that he's no longer scared and just, you know, mooning after her and instead takes like the first step without hesitation towards establishing a relationship while she at the same time has come to appreciate the fact that he's able to, you know, that he's able to hold on to that otakuness that, you know, you talked about because she herself has dealt with, you know, imposter syndrome and trying to hide that part of herself. And she realizes that's a lot more courageous that she probably wouldn't have realized, you know, as a teenager. And so in a way, I like the fact that the gap illustrated that, you know, you know, sometimes childhood friends, they weren't compatible at that time. But in that time period where they lost touch with each other, where they've grown into their separate individuals and, you know, their adult personalities, they re meet and they're like, wow, like we're actually better matched now. And yes, we should totally go for a relationship like this. It actually reminds me of my violin teacher or my old violin teacher her daughter actually um the person she married ended up being this exact situation they were childhood friends and then they separated and they got went to different colleges uh went to different jobs and then lived a few years like in separate cities and then ended up coincidentally back in the same city and found each other again and realized that suddenly they were a lot more compatible than they were before. And so uh, so I think that's another angle of Wotakoi that I really think adds like flavor to the whole childhood friend trope. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I like the fact that you, yeah, you spoke about the freedom, you know, as they grow in a relationship, or at least when they grow by themselves. So even though, you know, they kind of acknowledge the fact that they, they were friends before and they met as children, but then when they grow up, it's totally different. And, you know, with all those experiences, that totally makes them the person as they are. And it's kind of a new experience, too, that you're falling in love with mm-hmm. yeah, a different I agree. person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. So I think I think we're all in pretty good agreement in, that, in this case that Wiltakoi is a positive example of childhood friend trope and how it lends to the story and elevates the story and the characters, correct? <laughs> Yes, yep. agreed. Mm-hmm. So if that's your pick of a positive, then what do you got for a negative example for the childhood friend trope? 
Oh god, there's two of them. Um, because, like I said, this is not my favorite trope, even though it's shown so prevalently through anime. So I guess they're kind of like tied. Um, the first one is the part of a love triangle in Kaicho was made some, it's Hinata and Misaki. <laughs> I've always thought Hinata was very annoying. <laughs> um, and I think part of it is also because I don't like Hinata as a character, but also like it, felt very fake at some point because they it really shows that they're not compatible at all and how like Hinata kind of like follows her around because he sort of idolizes her as a childhood friend rather than actively gets to know her as a childhood friend and he and even though she starts like dating uh Usui and stuff like that he's still like oh I'll hold on to my feelings for you and I'm like okay dude sure (laughs) (laughs) Isabel, didn't you forget about his existence even? (laughs) I'm so lost on him. I like had to look him up. (laughs) Yeah, it's so inconsequential. I just remember that being seared in my brain because I was like, it just felt, even though they didn't have to introduce Hinata because it felt so disruptive to the storyline even. Mm -hmm. I did almost feel like the author put it in just because you expect a childhood friend to show up at one point to be the love rival, even though it's yeah. so obvious that Usui is going to be endgame, so. <laughs> it felt so inconsequential. And I think, like, the worst part is that he ends up marrying her sister anyway. Oh, yeah. So I'm, like, was- <laughs> so I'm like, a little bit confused. I'm like, uh, I guess you could have flushed. Like, it would have been maybe a bit more touching if like, her sister found out that he had feelings for her, and, like, they talk it out, and they grow up, and then they eventually get married as professed at the end of the at the end of the manga, but it doesn't really tell you that, so you're kind of left like, huh? As, as you read the manga's ending, and also, yeah, you the see, like, no interaction of them like in the anime. Yeah, the manga gave, like, a tiny hint of um, the younger sister having a crush on him, but he definitely didn't have any feelings towards her, so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I felt like I felt really strange after yeah, strange is is the right word. Very conflicted after seeing Hinata's appearance in both the anime and the manga. I like what you pointed about, out about Hinata though, and the issue that he has with Misaki is that he idolizes her versus Usui, who sees her act- as an actual person. And so it's like uh it's like Hinata only sees her strengths and thinks her flaws are inconsequential and then but usui uh usui is interested in misaki for her strengths and her flaws so he sees her as a person who uh he's very attracted to versus hinata who idolizes her and sees her as this perfect being so it's actually it's funny because i actually never thought about it but when you said it out loud it just clicked inside my head where i was like oh my gosh you are 100 correct yeah (laughs) yeah i mean the himbo trope does bleed through Hinata and I can see why some people would just be like oh I get why he's like the childhood friend but really like they're not that compatible at all Mm -hmm. I don't think it would have worked in Mm -hmm. the end I mean and it's also telling that even though it was really annoying for you and I mean it was really annoying for me as well but Isabel doesn't even remember (laughs) (laughs) that's the worst part he is unrememberable (laughs) he is that's why He's I'm like, blank. that's a bad sign. If we've got if we got two people who's annoyed and then a third person who doesn't even remember. <laughs> so you said it's tied. So I can understand why this one did not lend any favor to the story in regards to the trope. But what's the other one are you thinking of? <laughs> oh, God. It's your line in April with Tsubaki and Kosu. Oh, interesting. I, okay. I don't find any merit whatsoever in them throwing in that childhood friend trope. Because in the anime, Kosei truly loves... Okay, I have issues with Your Lie in April for multiple reasons. Okay. Even as I watched it and Naisa dropped it. But I don't think... when uh, I don't think Tsubaki and Kosei are even compatible in the first place. Because they don't actively... Like, she does, like, try to lift his spirits up and stuff like that. By, like offering him things but it doesn't feel as supportive as let's say like narumi and hirotaka or like usui and um misaki 
for some reason. It doesn't feel like there's like an emotional connection of them helping each other out. Because most of Kosui's, um, Ko- Ko- Kosu- I, see, I keep saying Kosui, it's Kosei. <laughs> most of like, most of Kosei's interactions of him being lifted out of his depression is through Kaori, and that's it. And the fact that Tsubaki's his childhood friend, she should have knowledge about him, like his mom passing, his mom being like super harsh on him while as a child, and also like seeing him after his mom dies, should have maybe like clicked something and have the childhood friend trope help, but not really. It just feels very alien as to why they just throw that in for the sake of that jilted like triangle interesting okay i have some thoughts about it mainly because i did not this was actually one of the love triangles i didn't mind and i think it was because of the fact that tsubaki and kari had a good relationship with each other and so and they were actually good friends in the anime granted she didn't know that kari also had feelings for kosei so that's why that could be a potential explanation as to why two love rivals were essentially good friends throughout the story but i did find it or i definitely hadn't seen that sort of love rivals being genuine friends and not like having cat fights over a guy you know that was this is a lot more common nowadays especially as you've pointed out agnes the childhood friend trope has mellowed out a lot throughout the years in its usage and have actually diversified in how it's used including not being an unrequited love but actually being just straight platonic friends but at that time at least i was just so used to seeing like girls having cat fights over uh over the guy which is usually either a childhood friend which is always like a childhood friend versus like the new girl or something like that that seeing uh tsubaki being friends with kari and in a way almost unaware of the fact that they're fighting for the same guy or they're liking the same guy i actually enjoyed that part of it that made it unique enough Mm. for me yeah see because my main issue wasn't the fact that they fight over it because i just see it like from a mile away from most animes so i don't even think twice about it anymore i'm just more concerned about how the friendship between childhood friends develop because it's, I don't know, it just feels weird having, like, that romantic relationship between childhood friends, but it's actually technically, like, idolization, like we've seen in Hinata's case, or just very, like, confused, I guess, is the more sense. I don't know, it just feels very, it feels very fake and forced to force these two friends to have a romantic relationship with each other when they don't really know much about each other in the first place. I see, I see. What about you, Isabel? Because I mean, you've talked about your line April before, so I know for a fact that you've seen the anime. What did you think about this uh, childhood friend trope? Personally, I thought it was also very awkward. I didn't know why Tsubaki had to be in love with Kosei, in a sense, because Kosei almost didn't even realize that. Or, you know, he was just in his own world that he didn't notice that she was there or, you know, she's always been there for him type of thing. So for me, it's kind of like they're kind of friends, but they're, I've but they don't really know about each other too much. I feel like, in a sense, for Tsubaki, it's more of an infatuation almost a little bit because she's always watching him, but he's totally not looking at in her way at all. Yeah. So I think that's why I thought it doesn't really, it didn't really feel like a triangle. It, I guess it was like a one-way triangle or just her looking at him and then he's like, it's like a straight line. Is what it is. It's a straight line. Um, <laughs> it's a straight line. So, so. <laughs> Childhood friends featuring geometric shapes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a triangle, it's a straight give line. Our presentation with geometry. <laughs> As you can see, this is a right angle triangle, which represents no, just continue. <laughs> <laughs> so basically you didn't like the tri- you didn't like the childhood friend insertion either then, right, Isabel? No, yeah, I felt like it w- it wasn't necessary and and even though it was there, I felt awkward about it. I couldn't, usually I would feel very strongly about the characters, but in this case, I really didn't. So I think, yeah, for me, it was just kind of like, okay, or it, if it wasn't there, I would be okay with it too. Yeah, I feel like if, because Subaki and, and Kosei also come from like two different types of worlds as well. Like Subaki's a lot more like athletic 
and Kosei is like the musical prodigy. So I would assume that if they weren't like childhood friends, if the story was rewritten in a different way, maybe Subaki could have been very supportive of him by because sports and music both have a very strict discipline in pursuing whatever goal that they have. It would have been really cool to see their relationship grow as like buddies who support each other through like mental discipline. And pushing each other, saying like, hey, you know, even though we practice like different fields, it doesn't hurt to keep practicing. It doesn't hurt to keep rehearsing. It doesn't hurt. And they kind of like push each other in that regard rather than uh, rather than Kosei having to depend on Kaori for that musical inspiration and then finding the courage to go back up on stage, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree with what you guys are saying. And I see why you guys didn't like it and i i'm a little easier on your line a pro for some obvious reasons one i am a violin player and the fact that the violin playing is probably one of the most accurate violin playing i've seen on screen like Mm -hmm. regardless of live action or animation just astounded me in a way that just it really just blew me away and made me feel really warm and fuzzy because I'm so sick and tired of seeing those fake violin play, especially as someone who played violin since she was five years old. And so I so I know I am softer in regards to critiquing your line April. And I and I think I really was just so tired of the whole like love triangle where the two girls or the two guys are fighting with each other over a single person. The fact that Tsubaki and Kari are actually good friends throughout the story. I was like, oh, I really appreciated that and stuff. But I I see what you guys are saying now in regard in regards to how it's awkward and it doesn't lend well to the story. And I and like when I take a step back and like kind of detach my emotions from it and look at it on a more objective view. Like I see how it disrupts the flow rather than contribute to it. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But you do have a lot of really valid points how like at least your line April does provide a slightly more refreshing angle that the two, I guess, love interests are wholly unaware that they pine for the same guy between the childhood friend and the new manic pixie girl. But at least they're friends. I can at least agree with that, that, it, that for that time, it was a much more refreshing concept compared to the plethora of shoujos and harems that we see of uh, the childhood friend getting into arguments with the new yep, girl. Yep, yeah, sabotaging her and all that stuff. Yeah, I really think I was just so saturated that, with that, that just seeing these two love rivals actually like care for each other and, you know, love each other platonically. Like Tsubaki was heartbroken as well when Kaori died. I just appreciated that so much. And once again, because I have such close friendships with my girlfriends growing up that it was just something that appealed to me more. But I I see what you guys are saying for sure. So it was just not what I was expecting at all. So um, so this was good for me because it opened my eyes as well to sort of take a step back and look at it more objectively. So yeah, so that's your picks. Um, it's funny because I definitely would have picked Hinata as the worst of the two, but the fact that they're pretty equal to you is like, that's really interesting for me and really different. <laughs> but in regards to childhood friends, I did mention that I was, I consider Narumi Hirotaka and I obviously agree with the fact that they're good examples, but I ended up choosing another one because I wanted to keep a little more parallel between a bad example and a good example. And so the good example I picked is from Haikyuu, and it's actually in the most recent season with Tanaka and Kanoka. Do you guys remember her, the really tall teen, uh, volleyball girl? Oh, me? yeah. Oh, that's a, that's such a good friendship, actually. Yes. Childhood friendship. Yes, I yes. completely forgot about that, and that's actually so good. Everybody keeps keep talking. So what's funny is I had originally... I literally in my notes wrote down Narumi Hirotaka and then my one that I feel like is a bad job, but they weren't paralleling each other so well. And so throughout the entire like night, I just kept thinking to myself, I wish I could think of another one that would just stand out that I think would fit better as like the opposite side of the coin. And then it struck me and I was like, okay, yeah, definitely Tanaka and um, Tanaka and Kanoka as uh, my pick for a good example. So in Haikyuu, it's revealed in the season four that Tanaka had a childhood friend when they were really young, and her name is Kanoka, and she was extraordinarily tall as a child and a girl. Who So she got teased and mocked by boys in her class for, you know, for being so tall and, like, different 
in regards to body shape. And little Tanaka just comes blazing right through with this ora, 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 basically <laughs> uh, standing up to her and being like, you're so tall and big. That's so cool. Like, stand up for yourself, man, because that's awesome, you know, sort of thing. And we find out the reason why she plays volleyball is because Tanaka has liked playing volleyball ever since he was a kid. And he brought her to his class because he felt like she was a really good fit for the sport. And she obviously continued to not only, you know, be a be a part of a team that's good enough to go to nationals for the women, for the uh, high school girls of volleyball, but she was considered one of the top teenager girls volleyball players in Japan. And so what I and this, I think, is a perfect example of one that fits a lot of what we think of usual childhood friend tropes. You know, they were friends as child children. One of them does have a crush on the other one. And it is unrequited because as we saw in season four, Tanaka is still very much stuck on Kyoko Sama and or Kyoko Sama. I I call her Kyoko Sama. I stand. (laughs) I stand with Kyoko Sama. We are all Sims. Yes, exactly. And so, and, and so it is unrequited and she's actually quite aware of it. She even says, you know, I think I got rejected, even though he never outright rejects her per se. But I think what Haikyuu just really succeeded in, and despite checking all the boxes for the childhood friend trope, is how much they elevated each other and how much they've had a positive effect on each other's lives. Because for Kanoka, even if, her, you know, even if her volleyball was jump started by Tanaka, her confidence isn't dependent on him. It's more like his friendship and his kindness allowed her to find a part of herself that she never knew that has made her confident and strong. And so even if he doesn't, even if he is uninterested in her and has shown to you know clearly be interested in another girl it doesn't affect her confidence and it doesn't it doesn't shake how she feels about who she is today and how far she's come she still credits him for for you know making that first step to being the strong athlete recognized by the entire country of japan for who she is today and in retrospect or not retrospect but in in compare and like the flip side, she also does still, you know, inspire Tanaka when they meet up together again. Because Tanaka realized, you know, how amazing she has become as a volleyball player. And this was the episode where it was Tanaka focused, where he was struggling a bit. He was, you know, he was constantly getting blocked, and he was always inherently aware that he wasn't exactly, you know, blessed or or talented as Kageyama is, or or has any particular, you know, unique traits to him that just made him so hard to predict, like or like Hinata with his speed. He's just a very strong player and a very determined player and a very passionate player. And he's always been aware of that. He knew that, like, he knew that about himself. But the fact that Ka- uh, Kanoka was able to go, you know, so far as a volleyball player because of the words that he has said for her also made him realize that that by itself is a strength for him. The fact that he is so passionate, that he is so compassionate, and that he is so, you know, determined is what makes him the strong volleyball player in the team. And even if he doesn't have that extreme speed or pinpoint setting prodigy that Kageyama is. And so it's just the way that they bounce off of each other and elevate each other as characters and as well as to their arcs and who they are as people. I think it's just an excellent, it's just an excellent display of the childhood friend trope being extremely well done while checking all the usual checkboxes of a childhood friend trope. So that is my pick for the uh, for a good example. I hear that Agnes, you like those two, so I'm glad. <laughs> I I have no words. You have done them justice. <laughs> it's such a good friendship, and I love it. I stand for them. <laughs> what about you, Isabel? Did you wait? Did you ever? Are you a haiku watcher? I keep forgetting. <laughs> 
I yeah, I like dropped off in like the last season maybe. I can't remember, but I did I did meet Kanoka at least. I watched okay, okay. those episodes with her. Okay. And Tanaka. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> so yes. Yeah, when she was a period, I actually was like, Oh my god, she's actually really cute. She's yes! an awesome character. <laughs> yes. So straight off the bat I already liked her as a character. It's nice to see, you know, the fact that she also plays volleyball and that and uh you know, just the fact that she's super into it as well, as much as Tanaka is. And even though it seems like they had been out of touch for a while, they're still able to connect. It doesn't matter if they see each other at tournaments. It's just very, very comfortable between the two. And I like seeing that a lot too. So yeah, I think you definitely described them very well, especially, you know, with their background and how it's just inspirational, really. You kind of really want that type of friend who like hypes you up and then gets you into what you're doing now. I feel like whatever people are doing now, it might have been it's usually because of a friend, I feel like. It's like someone, you know, got you into it and that's why you're doing it now. Even though you might forget down later down the road, like, oh, I forgot why I started doing this, but you've been doing it for so many years and you forget. But when you really go back to it, it's because of that person or something. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think because they are so interesting in their own right and the fact that their friendship has just really been so supportive that the unrequited love, it's okay, you know, because sometimes, because these things do happen and it's fine. And the two characters, especially Kanoka, shows that it's fine. It's not going to disrupt her and her volleyball playing and it's not going to disrupt her friendship that she has with him already. And so, and actually, I think this feeds into what you were trying to say, Agnes, is uh, that I don't know why I'm just a little slow on the uptake, I guess, but <laughs> um, what you were saying with Tubaki and that, yeah, she's his child, she's close to his childhood friend, but we never really see her be that childhood friend where, like, you know, she has that effect on his life and stuff like that. But this is where, you know, Kanoka is showing it. They do have that effect on each other's lives being childhood friend and stuff. So I just realized that. <laughs> And I mean, like, the, the nice thing that I liked about Kanoka is that, as we talked about earlier, it clearly shows that her love for volleyball has deepened, not because she loves Tanaka, but because Tanaka introduced her to this sport, and that they gradually diverged into doing their separate paths, but still coming together as friends and realizing that, yeah, maybe this unrequited love is a thing, but I can still step forward into my own future that I forge with my own hands sort of thing, which is what I really like as a theme between the two of them. I'm very much a big person on people having their independence and finding out cool stuff that they like to do that nobody else does, but it's still cool regardless, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So on the flip side, time to explore a childhood friend that that I think is just botched all the check boxes. Do any of you guys remember Kiz Naiver by Studio Trigger? I did not watch Kiz Naiver because that looked like it was going to be hell. <laughs> yeah, same reason, Agnes. I I do remember when it came out, but yes, I did not touch that. <laughs> Okay. It's like sketch. All right. <laughs> it's <was> very sketch. <laughs> so you two didn't watch it. Well, I did. And first of all, there were all kinds of triangles and geometric lines. I'm pretty sure it was like a star at one point <laughs> in regards to how <laughs> the romantic feelings and the unrequited feelings are going back and forth and stuff like that. Anyway, it makes very little sense. But in there, there were a uh, childhood friend couple that the instant, the instant that I saw them introduced, I knew that it was going to be an unrequited love and I knew that nothing was going to happen from it. And the uh, the characters are Chidori, who is the girl, and Katsuhira, who is the guy. And they like were neighbors, they grew up together and stuff like that, but it was so obvious from the get-go that Chidori has had a crush on... Katsuhira for quite some time now but the biggest issue I have is that I never really understood why like why did she have that crush on him because the because he has literally no personality in fact that was a that was a like a constant theme and a conflict in the story itself uh the he's the main character Katsuhira but 
Katsuhira essentially lost the ability to empathize slash like feel anything, whether it's like pain or sor- sorrow or anything or anger. Like we don't even even see him angry. And so he is genuinely an empty shell and his character arc is actually learning to or not even learning, but it's more like he lost it because of an experiment. And it's more and it's like finding it back and reconnecting with that side that got severed from him. And so when he's just that empty and like doesn't have a personality and emotions, I cannot understand how she ended up forming feelings for him because he was essentially like a doll is what it was. Like, especially like, you know, comparing it once again with Kadoka and Tanaka when I think about those two, like, yeah, I totally get why Kadoka ended up developing a crush on Tanaka. Who wouldn't, you know, if you see little Tanaka coming in with ora, 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 and not only introducing you to something that you end up loving and being passionate about, but standing up to you when you were really scared and feeling insecure about yourself. Like, I totally understand why she would develop a crush on him. But I don't understand why Chidori would even develop a crush on a crush on Katsuhira in the first place when he and when it when it was obviously made that he genuinely did not have a personality and that was a problem. And so that was the first issue I have. And then the second issue I have is this, you know, this unrequited love is fueling the tension and the relationships and like it was part of a big conflict throughout the series. But if I can't understand the root of it and I can't understand how they bring anything to each other, she just seems like she likes to nag him and he just seems like he takes it and he doesn't care because he genuinely couldn't feel anything. It just ends up feeling so empty and pointless and it it is not even and it's not even annoying which is the worst part you know like you don't want something to feel annoying in the story which is you know like we said Hinata is in Kaichowa Maid Sama but it was so not understandable for me because they had no basis for the crush and had no basis for this childhood friend trope that I it just kind of left me confused more than anything else which I think is the one thing that is worse than having something being annoying when it's just straight up confusing and you don't get it so that is my example of an anime that employs that trope and I think just utterly utterly fails at it and I I don't understand why they decided to do that was he uh, since I didn't watch Kiss Neighbor I now have a lot of questions about Kiss Neighbor (laughs) um first of all yeah that that trope uh, sounds very sketchy, uh, very hastily slapped together for the sake of let's introduce a childhood romance for the sake of having a polygon. Um, but my main question is, did his name is Katsuhira, yeah, right? Katsuhira. Did Katsuhira develop, like, was he experimented like halfway through his relationship or knowing um, the girl or... You know, that's a good question, and I don't really know. He was a child when he got experimented on. It, and I honestly, I don't remember if this was covered or not. Maybe they had known each other, and then he got experimented on, and then he came back and he was empty. But he was a child when he got experimented on, so they couldn't have known each other for very long before he became empty in personality. Mm, okay. Because I feel like, oh god, this, this is probably me. I don't like the idea of like maybe you are childhood friends with someone and then kind of like how those amnesiatic stories come about where like you lose your memories, you don't remember your childhood friend, but your childhood friend like clings on to you and it's just like, I love you. And you're just like, excuse me, I don't understand anything. It's kind of the vibe that I get from these two couple. If it was the case that she had known him before he was experimented on and still kind of clings and nags and constantly like reminds him of that relationship. It feels very strange. I feel like that is possible you know like like once again I don't remember much of it because it was just so I get what the anime was trying to say it was trying to make a point about empathy but it just fell flat on its face in my opinion but essentially the uh it could have been that you know they were friends and he had that personality and then he and then he went through that experiment and then he lost it so she keeps 
holding on to that, you know, of what he was before, before the experiment. But my other issue now with that is they were so young. Like, he was in elementary school sort of age, maybe even kindergarten age. I don't know. Like, definitely a child. A child age that I don't think kids understand romantic feelings during that time you know <laughs> like like you know as mm-hmm. kids people are always saying like oh this this guy or this girl's my boyfriend or my girlfriend stuff like that but it's like they don't understand it they don't actually know what that means and so part of me is just like you know is like is that even like a genuine romantic feeling she had towards him mm-hmm. because they were so young you know i don't know so <laughs> It's just like, I, I don't know how else to describe it aside from it did not lend the story anything. It just caused more conflicts as it went by because, of course, another guy ends up liking her and he was just like, I don't understand why, you know, Katsuhira doesn't look towards her that way and la la la. It was, it was, it was like you said, it was like a polygon. I love polygon. <laughs> but it's just, I don't, I don't think it was. I don't think it was well done at all, and I genuinely could not understand the point of the childhood friend. And um, and I and I think you're right too, because even if there is an explanation of oh she did have a crush on him before the experiment, and so she keeps holding on to that fact, I'm just like, well now it's just now it's just plain toxic, you know? So like now it's just unhealthy because she's holding on to a side of him that's like gone and desperately wishing that it comes back so which you know uh once again Agnes I know you've mentioned saying that that you find this part of the childhood friend tropes very selfish and unhealthy when they can't accept that their childhood friend had changed so yeah that's pretty ugly to me honestly yeah (laughs) (laughs) next yeah but yes that is my two that I picked one really good example and one that was just very frustrating for me and I think did nothing to the story whatsoever and was only detrimental um what about you Isabel it doesn't sound like any of our picks have you know uh intersected with any of your picks so I'm really curious you know who did you pick for a good example and a bad example yeah I'm gonna be honest when I went with the childhood friend I was looking for childhood friends like platonically kind of oh okay yeah so i think that's totally i fine. think that's fine yeah. yeah but there's like no romance involved at all i don't know yeah no okay. i mean i mean that's fine because the childhood friend trope you know like we said has been changing throughout the years so i totally get that yeah okay well i guess we can go with these <laughs> uh yeah the first one I, I feel like i just went over like two only two guy relationships which is interesting but the first one i did was or the one I came up with was the one between Mika and you in Oh, oh the the okay, 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 that's interesting. Spicy, let's okay. go. <laughs> I know it's very popular to ship them together. I don't know if it happens in the manga I don't or the think source so. material. I don't think so, but it's very popular. Yeah. In my mind they are just really good childhood friends. And this is because they both start uh, they start off as an orphanage. It's for me, it really reminds me of the start of uh, Promised Neverland, how they're all in It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does have that premise, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and not only that, but they're all wearing, like, white clothing and stuff, and... Oh, no! Oh, God. oh no! Now I see it even more now! The innocence <laughs> and purity of childhood friends! <laughs> yeah, so, you know, they start off like that, but they're actually treated, and I mean, they, they're even treated like livestock, but for vampires instead, which is the difference between that and promise neverland oh jeez oh jeez mm-hmm. <laughs> is this is this becoming a co- compare contrast thing situation now? Could be. <laughs> okay but, but yeah. i never saw the oh not now i'm never going to unsee the familiarity so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and both of them ended in a disaster <laughs> one way or another <laughs> that's another similarity sorry Isabel. no that's okay go on yeah, even though like they they had like a short period of time together, but they became really close. Even though you you didn't really interact with the other kids as much, or she he was just kind of a little bit of a angsty little kid. Um, but Miko is really really kind to him, and you know he's always trying to you know uh, butter up to the people that were taking care of them. But then on the other hand, he was trying to get make sure that everyone escaped from the orphanage. And the problem is, you know, when he uh, while Everyone else, including you, was able to escape. Uh, Mika, Ella, was, unfortunately, could not. And 
they're totally separated from that. So what happens later is Yu grows up, he joins the Moon Demon Company where he becomes a, a swordsman. And his their sole um, purpose is to obviously kill the vampires. Or, and, and, but then they have a contract with demons to go ahead and do that. So in a sense, they sell their souls to the demons. And then when they meet on the battlefield between him and Mika, he realizes you realizes that Mika has turned into a vampire. Um, so it's kind of tragic in a sense, but I feel like even though they've they haven't been they haven't seen each other for such a long time, they still have this connection they had ever since they were children. And since uh, because that bond was so strong between them, and I guess also maybe their survival instinct because they were all together in this orphanage. You know, they saw each other, but they're still, they still believe in each other. Like, even though, you know, one person's a vampire and one person's, uh, you know, with the demon company, uh, they're still trying to save each other <laughs> in a way. So I just thought that the interactions between them, I just like throughout the show, they don't see each other that much because they're basically on the opposite sides trying to fight each other. But every time they do see each other, they try to kind of sneak off and try to convince one another to join or like, you know, what's happening on their side or things like that, kind of sharing information, even though they're on opposite sides. Uh, so I thought them too, as a childhood friend, uh, were really good. I don't know if you guys have seen the show. I don't know what you guys think of it or. Mm-hmm. I've definitely seen it. And I think your pick for it is actually really interesting because it does lead another element of childhood friend trope, which is the fact that even if it is platonic, people will still ship them. You know, like, I think that's another part of the trope that's interesting that I didn't mention at the beginning. There are very much, like, fully platonic friendship, childhood friendships that are shown in anime that are really cute and stuff. And we still have people who ship them and really want them to get together, even if both of them have made it very clear that they don't have feelings for each other. So that was and I think that's like an element that's that's very good for the Mika and the Yu uh childhood friendship that you mentioned so funnily enough i so i ended up reading the manga ish like i skip around and stuff i mainly read it for Gurren because i'm 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 pathetic don't ask me <laughs> so, I'm, you're <laughs> pathetic okay that's another podcast to explain why you're pathetic for I'm pathetic <laughs> and thus i and thus i read only for certain chapters for certain characters anyway enough about me so I think Mika and Yu's relationship is interesting because with Yu being changed into a vampire, oh no, sorry, not Yu, Mika, with Mika being changed into a vampire and vampires' tendencies to equate whoever they drink blood from or whoever's blood they find tasty as the person of interest, the person of romantic interest, and the fact that Mika like only wants Yu's blood and doesn't want anyone else's, even when other uh even when Yu's friends even offered some to him because, you know, he's a vampire, he needs to drink, and they're like, you know, we can give you some to so you're not starving and stuff like that. He didn't even want that. He only wanted use. And so there is a lot of like language in there that I can see is either, you know, this is kind of goes back to our queer code, queer bait episode, but that can either be considered queer coding Mm. or queer baiting, depending on who we ask. Mm -hmm. And so it's like their friendship is very interesting. And in that sense that it like makes it more complicated. I'm not a good person to speak about them as a friendship and whether I like them or not because my biggest issue is I don't really like Mika as a character and it's just like personalities I don't think I would get along with people like him because Mika uh especially in the manga and the chapters I have read uh Mika is very set on his view and very insistent that he is right and stuff like that and Use the one who's, despite being an idiot most of the time, you <laughs> um, is the one who is more open-minded and who's always being like, you know, you should listen to me and, you know, maybe we can talk it out or maybe there are different perspectives. See, I'm listening to you and I'm, you know, starting to admit that, yeah, vampires, there's a lot more going on to them than, than they're just bad guys. But, you know, like you should also listen to me and be like and see and see that humans, they aren't just all bad, that there's different things going on behind the scenes and stuff like that that and Mika's like complete rejection of it and constant like constant 
tendency to push away Yu's friends who genuinely are his friends and want to help out and stuff like that because all humans are bad and, and sort of mindset just clashes terribly with me as someone who's always like, well, let's look at the other side. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so that's why that's why I can't really say much about their friendship and how I feel about them because it's just Mika and I would not get along <laughs> whatsoever. So that's like, that's sort of my personal take on it but uh agnes what, what were you gonna say because i know i interrupted you <laughs> oh, i was just gonna say like i didn't like either of those two characters i think that was the main reason why i drew oh yeah you, you didn't Sarah. like either <laughs> <laughs> nah. i think uh you reminded me way too much of Aaron from at least uh, from Attack on so i was like no 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 i can't do this again this is way too recent because it, it's during that time where awari no seraph i think is what 2014 yeah yeah and then Attack on Titan's like, what, 2012 and 13? So I'm like, that's way too close of a gap <laughs> for Shonen protagonist. I cannot deal with this right now. <laughs> um, so I, I stayed away from Warren Overstead for a very long time. But I did read the manga prior to watching the anime. And I do have to agree that the childhood friend trope that they have is very strong, despite the fact that they're being on opposing sides. And it reminds me a lot of like the brother in arms trope. It, especially that you see like in war movies and stuff and oh, how it's very touching mm-hmm. so in a way that I can see why you support that childhood friend trope because they are exchanging sides they are somewhat sympathetic to each other and trying to cling on to that last memory that they have as friends or as brother in arms before you know like the world like tears them apart you know so I can definitely sympathize with that. And I can see why you would choose it as a childhood friend trope. I just don't like the two characters individually. <laughs> so I don't like one of the characters and Agnes doesn't like both of them. <laughs> <laughs> but their trope and how the how the progression works in the manga and in the anime makes a lot of sense. And I respect that. Well, sorry, Isabel, yeah. for no, disliking okay. the characters. I, I, yeah, I never heard of yeah what you guys thought of that show. So now I know. Uh, that's very good. <laughs> You can see my intense hatred for Aaron as I mentioned him in several episodes how much I don't like him. I do, speaking of childhood friend tropes, though, the childhood friend trope that I was most into in Owari no Seraph was, was actually Gurren and Shinya because those two are childhood friends. Of course, because Gurren. Because you're pathetic for Gurren. <laughs> I am also pathetic for Shinya. How dare you exclude him? So, I'm just pathetic for those two. Okay, if you read the prequel light novels which is focused on Gurren and you actually watch how Gurren makes friends with Shinya then you will understand my pain but okay we will move on <laughs> what was <laughs> we'll have an entire episode devoted to Gracie and her Gurren and Shinya like dynamic <laughs> we'll have to have a podcast oh, no that. is it that is <gasps> it is that dynamic the the funny like more prankster lax one and oh, the, god. oh god okay no. stay <laughs> tuned folks for the gracie centric podcast on her love of shinya and guren <laughs> all right all right moving on moving on uh so that was your example of a good platonic uh childhood friend what was your example of a bad one then <laughs> Yeah, the bad one is actually from My Hero Academia. Uh, I feel like My Hero uses the term childhood friend very loosely when it comes to the two main characters, Deku and Bakugo. Oh, oh my god, yeah. Okay. Have- oh, I have I have a very complicated relationship yeah, with that, too. <laughs> for me, I feel like they had more like a toxic childhood. Yeah! <laughs> I agree! And I was just oh, so confused because even the opening for the first season kind of like shows them crossing, like, you know, they use uh, sides between them. And, but yeah, the thing is, like, Bakugo used to bully Deku a lot. What? And, yes, absolutely bully. Yeah. He would yeah. call him names. Deku even was like <gasps> a name that he gave him because, oh, yeah, because you suck or something. That's why I'm calling you that name. That's so mean! Mm-hmm. And the fact. Wait, I thought you watched My Hero. Grace. No, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, it starts off like that. I remember that very distinctly, too. Oh, man, that's terrible! Right. <laughs> Yeah, and then Bakugo, you know, for like event, like summer events, he would be leader, you know, people would follow him and Deku would just kind of follow along because he thought, you know, he was friends with them. And the problem I have with Deku back then is also that fact that he kind of puts Bakugo on a pedestal like, oh, Bakugo is so cool because he has a quirk and I don't. And for some reason, Deku is okay with that. He's okay with taking insults from him. For some reason, he's still okay taking insults from him, but Bakugo just insults everyone now. 
Um, <laughs> it, has, it has changed <laughs> from him being mean to a person. Now he is mean to everyone. Everyone is now equal and all is right with the world. <laughs> God, that's a terrible way of putting it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, so... I see why you're having issues now with the label of childhood friend now that I'm aware. Okay, I've heard that Bakugo is a sundere, but he's, in your both of your eyes, he's not a sundere. He's just me, from what it sounds like. It's it's weird because, like, later on in the story, at least, like, from what I've seen from clips, because I, I, I obviously stopped watching My Hero Academia by season one because I'm like, this show doesn't vibe with me, even though my friends desperately try to get me into it. I mean, his mom is a sundere, which makes sense mm -hmm. why he adopts, like, certain traits from her, because it shows later on in, like, the series and in the manga, but it doesn't really excuse him from his behavior in the first season, either. Mm. Yeah, even I was really off-put, and I actually had a lot of debates with my online friends. I was like, because all of them love My Hero Academia for various reasons, and I asked them, like, so, why was Bakugo bullying Deku? Like, did he have a traumatic past that explains why he's like a bully? And none of them seem to be able to give me a straight answer as to why Bakugo like deliberately bullies Deku at the very beginning. I can see why people ship them like later on, but not at this current stage because it's very toxic. That yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, no one seems to be able to give me a straight answer, and I don't understand why. Everyone just says, like, oh, you know, but Bakugo has, like, a character development arc. And I'm like, yeah, sure, but that doesn't excuse somebody from bullying somebody either. And we talked about this with, like, a silent voice as well. Okay, so... About the concept of bullying. So now my question to you is, what is the distinguishing line for you guys between a tsundere and an actual bully? Because I definitely think that line is confused a lot and I do have my own distinct line but since I'm not familiar with the character at all and both of you are in agreement that he was really mean and actually bullying Deku like you know where why is it that the line that you know Bakugo crosses is a bully rather than just a tsundere friend uh, I have very strong opinions on that one but I'll let Isabel take the floor for this oh. one because you're the more my hero expert on that yeah even I can't tell you like you said like there's a character arc and I know what you know your friends might be talking about because we see that arc and and it's really for bakugo like kind of a little bit about his past but it doesn't like you said it doesn't really explain why he did that to deku and why he interacted that way but in terms of a fine i don't know if i have a fine line between it but i think for its uh sundere i feel like they maybe have some i feel like thoughts in the back their back of their head that like they don't really mean what they're saying right mm -hmm. so it's, it's not playful in a sense they're just really they're they just this is the way they act and they, they don't really mean it emotionally mm -hmm. yeah but yes. for me i feel like bakuko and bullies in general they actually mean it that way mm -hmm. there's no yeah there's no ground for it or anything like that uh, that would be my explanation or distinction between the two yeah, and the Cinderay that I've seen in a lot of animes in both like comedic harems or even like in a in more serious shows, the Cinderay always like eventually apologizes for what they do. Uh. And even then, like their quote unquote like violent action is usually over exaggerated rather than something that is explicitly harmful. Because anime tends to over-exaggerate a lot of things, which is why I think a lot of people get really confused between the boundaries of a sundere versus an actual bully. But if you take into the context and you look at the light of what Bakugo does to Deku in the very first episode from, like, you know, making fun of him for... Like, a sundere won't make fun of you for loving something that you passionately like. Yeah. A sundere's won't do that. A sundere will make fun of you for, like... Uh, like as a tease and a playful thing, but not for something that you're passionate about. Because Deku, from the very start, is passionate about All Might, even though he's quirkless. If anything, a Sundari would find that cute. They won't find it something to mock. I'm thinking even of another anime, which has actually gotten a lot of people up in arms and people not liking the couple. It's a Sundari guy. I don't know if you guys remember, it was like Wolf Girl and Black Prince uh, is the name. Oh, oh yes, yeah. I remember. Yeah, that. so that's a Sundere guy, but even like I definitely think he's probably the harshest Sundere guy I've ever seen in anime. 
But even him, like, you're right. There is that distinction where even at first he, like, kind of didn't understand. Uh, this was later in the manga, by the way, because I ended up reading the manga and actually ended up really liking the manga. But uh, there was, like, one segment where he didn't really understand, like, why Erica was passionate about that particular thing and or he didn't realize how deeply passionate she was about it. But then went so he made fun of her for it. But then when he realized, like, exactly like how passionate it was and like how much it hurt hurt he like went back and apologized without even waiting for it so uh so i i see like i see what you're saying about the whole uh about the whole thing so it sounds like bakugo was literally just making fun of him for it yeah it's 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 weird um and it and for some reason it's supposed to serve as like an antagonistic rivalry between the two of them because apparently I guess Bakugo also idolized All Might yeah. but was a lot more mute about it so it feels very hastily thrown together oh it's that it's that fighting rival that Shonen loves right yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> oh. and it's toxic <laughs> as Isabel puts it rightfully so yep. but yeah those are my thoughts on those two uh, that's just one example of a, in my opinion a bad one that seems more toxic than childhood friends i would like it if they maybe put yeah we were acquaintances back in the day <laughs> and we call each other cute yeah i i definitely yeah i definitely agree with honestly that. if i was an outsider and deku was like oh we were childhood friends he used to do all these things to me i'd be like uh are you sure you guys are childhood yeah. friends? Like, <laughs> honestly that is a fair critique to make on how the usage of it wasn't quite right in regards to in regards to the story so i i think this is i'm glad you actually picked these two because this is a different angle that you know we couldn't have explored so (laughs) well i think that about sums up our talks of childhood friends and our views on what makes it work and what makes it doesn't and you know we have examined for both me and agnes we examined stuff where romance is involved but for isabel she examined something that Uh, was strictly platonic and even those have examples of good and bad so that shows you how tropes are either really great when you're able to utilize them correctly or they're really bad when you're just not able to utilize them correctly so i hope you guys all enjoyed our trope dissection of childhood friends let us know if you disagree or agree with anything we've said and i hope you will be with us next time bye everyone Bye. bye bye